with that, welcome back to the One Giant Podcast. I am Andy Makowitz. That is... No, wait. That's not right. <laughs> uh, are you Adam Armbrecht by any chance? I, I could be uh, for, a, for a small fee. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's not easy. Listen, uh, getting Adam Armbrecht in the room comes at a price. We're not going to re-record this, friends. We're coming out live, hot and heavy here, following a big combine for the 2020 NFL Draft. A lot of action here, obviously, uh, at the wide receiver position. Before we dive in on that, Andy and I came in on our last episode and just missed the news that we all saw coming here for the Giants. Alec Ogletree, Kareem Martin, both released by the Giants, combining uh, to relieve $13 million uh, on the cap for the Giants. Obviously, we expected those to come, Andy. Ones that are around the corner here, Antoine Bethea, $2.75 million. And then Rhett Ellison, $5 million. Also a little bit of talk out there that he is contemplating retirement, actually, due to these concussion issues that he's been having the last couple of seasons. Any, any takeaways from that beyond the fact that we, we kind of knew these were coming? And I think it's better that it happened early, not just for the players, but even for us, right? Because now we, we head towards that free agency period with a much clearer cap room picture. Not unexpected at all. I think, uh, you know, you, you, while Giant fans uh, used Alec Ogletree as the whipping boy sometimes for all of the Giants' problems, you know, from everything that I'm hearing, you know, he was a great guy in the locker room. He really did embrace being a New York Giant. On his way out, he sent, a, you know, a nice note saying, once a Giant, always a Giant. It seems like he was one of those guys that, that just kind of got it and got what it meant to be part of a, a, a great organization. Um, you know, the only other interesting note is on Rhett Ellison. So we talk about how we can save about five and a half uh, million dollars on his cap. You know, in, in addition to potentially retiring, there's now a little bit of discussion about restructuring his contract that, that just came out, which um, essentially there's about two and a half million dollars worth of dead money, regardless if he plays or does not or if he retires or does not. So if the Giants just restructured his one-year deal to $2.5 million, it would basically not hurt the Giants other than just keeping you know, a veteran around with, with a roster spot. And then essentially you could always cut him later on if you needed that roster spot. But I thought that was interesting where there's no harm, no foul if we can restructure him on a one-year deal for the exact money that his cap it is. Yeah, and, and I guess in that scenario, I wouldn't hate it. Like you said, I, I think it's important to have have you know a handful of locker room guys like this, and it can help younger players you know learn at the position of tight end or just in general about how to be a pro. And I think more to your point too is you restructure them if he's around in training camp, and you end up drafting a tight end at some point along the way. If the numbers don't add up, he's the odd man out. I think he'll you know he would be the first one out the door if you need to make room for someone. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. And then obviously, I think the Bethay one is something that we'll just see come down come down the line here at some point. In spite of leading the team with 110 tackles last year, those numbers don't correlate to being a high end player for us. I think that that was more by default that he was getting those looks. Over in free agency or potential free agency, this is a guy that I, I think I know what your take is going to be on it, but I just happened to see this come across here when I was scrolling the newswire this morning. Uh, Sean Lee, possibly not going to get brought back by the Dallas Cowboys, said he'd be open to coming and playing with the New York football giants. Obviously, you have the connection here with Jason Garrett on this team. Thoughts on Sean Lee at this stage of his career? A lot of people around the NFL say he still has a, a lot to give on the field and obviously is a special player 
in the locker room as well for a team. Would you be open to that for, you know, for an injury prone, a guy that's had a rough go of it over the course of his career, but when and healthy and on the field, obviously plays at a high level. I actually would not be open to it. I think oh, I thought you would. Okay. Uh, I am not. And, and the reason why I'm not is because we look at our window and I, I, I keep talking about the window. It, it seems like, you know, Sean Lee is on a decline, even though, you know, some people say he's still got something left in the tank. I, I don't know. I, I think while we do need some of these veterans to, to be stop gaps while we develop other talent, I just don't see a scenario where an injury prone older guy, uh, you know, in his thirties is, is really going to make an impact when we need him to. I think I'd rather start fresh, develop some of our younger talent, build through the draft, maybe even sign a, a younger free agent veteran. You know, I've, I've talked about Trevathan quite a bit on, on this podcast, but um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm out on it, Adam. That's fine. Cause I, I'm not in on it either. I, I, you know, I know that a lot of people have always liked him and I think, this is one of those classic examples of an NFL player that has all the tools. And obviously when he's had healthy seasons, you saw him on, on tape over the course of his career saying, man, there he is. That's the guy, right? And the Gi Giants fans know what he's done to us when he's been on the field. But then you add up the combination of age and also injury. And it, this more has that spell of a player that the Giants bring in because there's connections here through the coaching staff. And then probably gets a little dinged up and maybe isn't on the field as much as we would like. And, you know, it's not a big contract, but you just don't get any real value out of bringing him in. So I, I thought maybe you were going to be open to it, but I, I'm glad to hear you check that box off in the thanks but no thanks on Sean Lee. We move our attention now, obviously, to the biggest uh, – news that we could be talking about here and that is the nfl combine underway uh, quarterbacks and wide receivers were on full display yesterday i don't know if you have any thoughts on quarterback just in general i really i, I have no takeaways we covered hand, hand size of joe burrows i don't really care beyond that uh, i think really what i'd like to dive in on here is the wide receiver class and some potential issues for yourself and myself when it comes to Guys, we were hoping maybe the Giants could be in on here when we head into the draft, uh, you know, in a couple months. Yeah, the, the short and sweet on, on the quarterbacks is nobody had a worse day at the Combine uh, than Jake Fromm, the, the quarterback from Georgia. Yeah. He doesn't, you know, he, he ran a super slow 40 time. He doesn't have big hands like we talked about, big hands, big, you know, no big hands, big problem, right? Um, and they, they looked at him during the, some of the passing drills and he was trying to throw the deep ball and it was almost cringeworthy. Some of the other quarterbacks were like, what's going on here. Right. So I think, you know, Jalen hurts ran a blazing four, five, 40 time, uh, which is incredible for, for a quarterback at his size. Um, but I think overall, you know, you kind of saw the things that you saw, you know, Tua didn't, didn't throw, uh, at all. So we didn't really get to see a lot of the, the top, top guys, Justin Herbert was there. But, yeah, I mean, for the Giants, even though, you know, Fuzz from the Combine says that Tom <laughs> Brady is one of the three quarterbacks. Uh, three, uh, Tom Brady has three teams in mind that he would go play for, and one of them is potentially the Giants. I, I just don't see quarterback being part of our, you know, 2020 cycle here. No, and I thought uh, it was a Jordan Love there. Also, he's been a name that's been rising, I think. So um, I'm curious to see what teams that are quarterback needy maybe take a look at him and how high – he rises up the draft board as we work through the rest of this process. He had a solid, he had a solid combine day, didn't do any damage to himself, certainly. So continuing to build a little bit of buzz around him. 
we go into this wide receiver class and you know a lot of these guys are running that four 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 five time you know pretty consistent throughout the day uh, we know that there's some blazers that everyone was looking for to maybe break some records but when, when you start to move through this and I go past Jerry Judy because he did everything that you expected him to do at the combine to let you know that you know he's up there on the draft boards probably be still be the first one to come off there cd lamb has uh, has a really nice day for himself uh, has that uh, four or five time this is a six two wide receiver we know or if you don't know at oklahoma you know and you start to get into the comparables right because you and i both agree size is kind of what we're looking for here for the giants someone who can stretch the field now that being said though you have a little bit of a different approach or who you just really have been having your eye on. And that's, that's a Justin Jefferson out of LSU. What did you see from him at the combine and what does it mean for you and your dreams of the giants possibly being able to get him? It, it's a sad day when, you know, we talk on this podcast about guys that aren't, you know, your obvious top 10, top 15 picks. It's, it's very easy for someone to say, wow, that chase young. I think he's going to be pretty good. Right. I, I yeah. think, I think we know that, the, you know, the top 10 guys are, are potential generational talents. You know, I've kept my eye on Justin Jefferson uh, throughout this process. You know, he started mid-second round, was, was getting, you know, back-end first-round accolades. And then he goes out and looks otherworldly during some of the passing drills and runs a 4 4 4 40, which was unexpected from other people thinking that he wasn't really a speed guy. And he is 6'3". He combines all the athleticism with the talent, the, the, the catch radius, and all the abilities in the air. And, uh, you know, all takeaways on Justin Jefferson is that he tremendously increased his stock. I, I now wouldn't be surprised after his performance if he goes in the top 20 at this point, um, you know, ahead of guys like T. Higgins from Clemson, who has been ahead of him for, for I don't even know why, you know, when you look at the tape. So uh, it, it's a very sad day for me because being right on a guy like Justin Jefferson actually hurts the chances that he comes to the New York Giants because he's just in a range right now where, you know, he's, we're not going to use the number four pick on a wide receiver, uh, but he's definitely not <clears throat> going to be making it to us in, in that early second round at this point. Yeah, and I think maybe you look at those trade-down scenarios as being the only route to it. We've highlighted those two teams that have multiple picks in the first round in the Jacksonville Jaguars and also in the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, both of those scenarios could put the Giants there at the back end of the first. But even, even then, I mean, I guess maybe if the Giants look at one of these talents and think it's worth it, they might go that route. But you figure if, even if you drop back and you take an offensive tackle there at maybe nine or at I think it's 12 there from the Raiders – then, you know, at, nine, at 20, I think, from Jaguars, or then mid-20s from the Raiders that you'd be looking at, then you're probably still checking out the defensive side of the ball and what's the best need there. So it'd be interesting to see if the Giants were to trade down, where they go, what team they trade with, and, and how those assets lay out for them. For myself, interestingly enough, because when you, when you pull up the, the, the prospect profiles, Justin Jefferson gets listed at 6-1 on here. I'm assuming that's a typo, because I, everything I know about him is that he is a taller receiver. Um, but you fall. Yeah. I've seen I've seen anywhere between six one and six three. So okay. it's one of those things where most people are just hedging and saying that he's six two. Um, there you go. So let's let's call him six two. And, and when you think about C D Lamb, he's at six two there as well. A guy that obviously isn't going to be uh, in our range. But Justin Jefferson, like you said, does does a great job for himself at the combine. Moves his needle in the right direction and is probably getting even higher up there in the back end of the first round and making it difficult for the Giants to look at him. Another player that you and I had talked about along the way, you had mentioned him, I think, in your first mock draft, and that was Michael Pittman out of USC. This is a six four two twenty three, ran a four five four. 
40, had 13 bench, uh, uh, bench reps there on the press. So he did some nice things for himself at the Combine. But the player that I've been mentioning, I've been banging on this drum, and that is Chase Claypool out of Notre Dame. This guy is 6'4", 238 pounds, has uh, nearly 10-inch hands. As we all know, that's so massively important. Huge. But, so huge. Oh, huge. But he ran a 4-4-2-40, had 19 reps on the bench, has a 40-and-a-half-inch vertical, and a 126 broad jump. Those numbers, if you, if you compare them straight up even with, let's say, Justin Jefferson, he's a, a hair faster. They're basically the exact same. He, uh, Jefferson didn't, didn't do the bench, so we don't know what he had there. He has three more inches on his vertical leap, and they're dead even on the broad jump. These are you know, very comparable guys. The interesting thing is you talk about Justin Jefferson and moving from maybe at the top of the second round and getting into the back end of the first now. You know, Chase Claypool is a guy that in all these mocks and all the, you know, all the speculation around it was kind of like you know, third round is where you're starting to look at him. Now, if you're the Giants, again, you talk about these trade-down possibilities because if you're sitting there at four in the second round, that might be where you have to pull the trigger on a guy like Claypool if you want him. And if you're the Giants, if you don't do a trade down and you take a tackle at four or, or whatever you take it for, are you going to go to wide receiver there at, at, at your second pick of the draft, your only pick in the second round, knowing you don't pick again until your compensatory pick at the 34th? Or in one of these favorable trade down scenarios where we get multiple picks throughout the second, third, and fourth rounds, now all of a sudden you give yourself that flexibility where you can go out and grab one of these stud position players. And, and man, you talk about your, your dreams being dashed. When I saw the numbers on Claypool and where he's now jumping to, I just thought, okay. Yeah. Adam, just, just to get further along your obsession with Chase Claypool, Please. Uh, so with what you talked about, what he ran in the 40 and his size. So he ran, like you said, 4-4-2-40, he's 6-4. There are only two players at the Combine ever that have run a sub 4-4-5 40-yard dash while measuring at least 6 foot 4 in size and 235 pounds. Who are they? Chase Claypool is one after yesterday's performance, and the other one is Calvin Johnson. Man, you know, I have to do some research. I don't know if I'm familiar with is that name. Good? Would, yeah. Is that good to be compared to Calvin Johnson? I, I don't I don't know. Yeah, they called him Megatron, but I could never tell if that was like a positive thing or that being the only comparable is absolutely phenomenal, obviously. But that's I, I did think about that thing of today's NFL and how, you know, speed and quickness and running the run pass option, uh, you know, the scheme that you're going to want to work and how you know size necessarily isn't the most important thing at a wide receiver position you can you can go with someone who's speed someone who has quick off the line ability can work out of the slot all these kind of things but then when you see what now marks down as a freak athlete at the position running what he runs with his stature and his size because by the way he outweighs not to knock Justin Jefferson but he outweighs Jefferson by 35 pounds you know when you have a player like that you're talking about a guy that has an opportunity to change the way your offense looks instantaneously from day one, game one, just his presence on the field is going to dictate so much more to a defense. And then that means for the New York football giants purposes, whether it's Sterling Shepard, even talk about, we've debated him, but even Evan Ingram, when he's on the field, there working over the middle. Now he'll have more space to operate in. You think about Darius Slayton and then even more, just as important is you talk about Saquon Barkley coming out of the backfield and just knowing the respect that a defense would have to pay to those set of weapons out in front of him and how much more room that 
would give him to operate in if he catches those swing passes out of the backfield or even runs some sweeps off of, off of the edge as well. So this was exciting for us and at the same time a little depressing because I don't know what it means for the Giants when it, when it comes to being able to draft one of these players. The, the one other thing I'll note here, and I don't know if you caught these guys at all, I don't want to put you on the spot, but uh, Kendrick Rogers as well as Quez Watkins, these are two guys that I thought did pretty well for themselves here at the uh, Combine. In Kendrick Rogers, you get a guy who, again, is 6'4", 208, ran a 4'5", 40, 17 reps on the bench. So he's solid, big-bodied frame. I thought he looked pretty smooth in a lot of the drills throughout the day. And then Quez Rogers, uh, Rogers uh, Watkins, excuse me, shorter at six foot, but ran a 4'3", 5'40", and I think he just showed a, a lot of that maybe you know smaller body inside working out of the slot potentially for the Giants, and just another weapon here. But these are guys that you can look at back end of the draft if the Giants miss on the opportunity to take some of the bigger names. Yeah, Denzel Mims is another guy from Baylor who ran a, basically a 4-3-9-40, he, and he did 16 on, on the bench. You know, he, some of these guys just had really good days, I think. Um, and Mims is going to be like a first-round guy, though, right now. Yeah, right? It, looks yeah. Like, it looks like he's going to be in that late first round. I think he's right around the T. Higgins area, as I was talking about before. Um, but – you know, we want guys like that. If, if you like Chase Claypool or you like Justin Jefferson, whichever, whichever flavor you prefer, you want guys like Denzel Mims to have good days because you want to make sure that they still stay in that first-round conversation. Um, when you talk about Chase Claypool and then we can kind of pivot, the, the one thing that, that uh, it reminds me of, and I'm not saying the skill set is the same where this is the type of player he will be, but there is a reason why in the NFL still to this day when you ask, who is the best receiver in the NFL or who's the guy that you want on your team if you have, you know, you're, you're starting next year? The answer is 90% of the time it's Julio Jones. And right. You kind of forget about Julio Jones and you're like, oh man, he must be old or he's not that good. He's six foot three, has blazing speed, is a enormously uh, huge individual, freak athlete, can, can shed tackles, can get down the field, great route runner. It, you know, it's someone like that that really possesses all the skills that you want in a, in a wide receiver. And I just think the same thing, you know, after looking at some of the measurables on, on Claypool, I, I just think those are the types of expectations that you, you dream of having on a prospect that's coming out. Yeah, and hopefully there's an opportunity. Like you said, there, there's a lot of other wide receivers that fall into that first round, early second round grade. For us, you know, on, on the One Giant podcast, for the Giants, we're looking at the bigger bodies because that's what plugs in and fills our need for us. So like you said, we may still be able to get our hands on one of these guys based on where other teams look to go and then combine that with, we've highlighted this before, offensive tackle. Obviously, we know that there's that second tier of tackles that are going to go in this draft. If they start to move at the you know twenty fourth pick of the, in the first round, there all of a sudden that run will start to topple, and then some other players, whether it is wide receiver or even defensive skilled positions, are going to start to fall back into those second round areas. And, and the Giants may have an opportunity to grab a player, whatever position that you wouldn't necessarily see on the board. So, well, obviously, yeah. Oh no, I was going to say, Adam. Speaking of falling, people are falling in love with the Arizona State punter, Michael Turk. Have you <laughs> yeah, sorry. I, bur I buried the lead, friends. I buried the lead. Andy Makowitz is very high on a punter out of the combine. Listen, and, and uh, I, I basically was, was just chatting with Adam uh, offline before this, and, and uh, I, I wanted to tell him exactly why I'm excited about Michael, Michael Turk. So I think this is such a great story. You never hear about punters at the combine. Uh, Michael Turk on the bench press at 225, 
did 25 reps. What? He did 25 reps. Now, let me put that in perspective for you. He had more reps than all 33 wide receivers that were at the <laughs> And he also had more reps than a, a handful of offensive tackles that are going in the top 30 to 40 picks, including our guy, Mekhi Becton. <laughs> so when you think about Becton could be going in the top 10 as, as an offensive tackle with, you know, size and strength and athleticism, the punter from Arizona state beat them out in being able to bench press 225. That is amazing to me. This guy's walking around, you know, he's getting a little chesty. You know, he started, he's sizing up some of the offensive tackles, getting in their face a little bit. I, I mean, if he's not strutting around the combine this morning, looking at people, giving the point and the wink as he goes by, I, I mean, this, this might be the, the, the pinnacle of his career. Well, and he single-handedly moved his – we talk about, you know, improving your draft stock. He's going from a back-end seventh round to possible early target following the draft. He's now moved that needle to as high as even the back end of the seventh round or mid-round seventh pick. Fantastic for him. Oh, it's, it's amazing. And, <laughs> and you know, I, I think I love these stories that come out of the combine. Obviously, we say that it should just reaffirm um, all the tape that, that you've seen over the course of the year. One of the other interesting things that came out of the combine, Adam, uh, was – and I don't know how much we touched upon it before, but Ron Rivera coming out saying that all options are on the table. They want to meet with Joe Burrow. They want to meet with, with Tua. And, you know, I, I think you know how I feel about these kind of conversations, but I uh, wanted to get your take on, on him coming out and saying, listen, every option's on the table. Dwayne Haskins is not 100% our starter next year. Yeah, and you can go two ways with it, right? You can say, like we talked about Joe Judge and saying nobody has a position, everyone has to compete. But when you go back to the tape, there's a lot more to like about Daniel Jones last season on the Giants than there was necessarily for Dwayne Haskins. So even though both teams have new coaches, uh, the Giants, you, you think, are, are set in their quarterback needs. But uh, on Washington's side of things, Rivera comes in, I, I think it very much could be on the table that if he's talking about rebuilding this team, he may look at Dwayne Haskins and say, he's not the guy to do it for me. Uh, you know, I, I don't know would they go, you know, what Ron Rivera's prototypical quarterback might look like. We know he came from Carolina where he had Cam Newton, uh, you know, big bodied quarterback, uh, Dwayne Haskins, not a runner the way Cam Newton was at least earlier in his career. So, you know, are the skill sets there where he looks at Haskins and says, I can work with this guy and build him, or does he maybe go to the tape and even go back to the way he scouted him the year prior when he was with Carolina and where did he have him graded, right? Did he say this isn't a guy that I would even sniff in the first round and that's why I can't have him as my franchise quarterback. And all of a sudden that would start to shake up the top end of the draft here where the Giants could again find themselves with a player available at the fourth pick that they're not anticipating and then find themselves in a position to have to make a choice, right? And then I've heard the scenarios of all of a sudden is this Chase Young falling all the way to four to the New York football Giants? I mean, it, it's funny because what I think it is, is you never want to show your hand. Showing your hand in the NFL doesn't help you during the draft. I think you want to say that you love every single player just in case someone's enamored with a particular player and they have to have him. It just opens up your, your trade opportunities. But yes, I mean, if any Giant fan has been following all this, it, you start dreaming of the scenario where there's a run on quarterbacks and maybe Joe Burrow goes number one. Washington pulls uh, an Arizona Cardinals and gets rid of their first round pick from last year and goes with the new guy in, in 
in Tua, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden the Chargers or whoever trade up to number three, the Lions, and they take Justin Herbert, and all of a sudden Chase Young is sitting there for the New York Giants to take at a position that they desperately need help in. Well, by the way, in that, in that scenario, then you start to think about where else could the Giants potentially go as they move through the draft here. And this is one of the things that I wanted to touch on. We talk about filling out the, filling out the roster for the Giants through the draft. One of the areas of needs is center. Now, I've said that I'd be happy for the Giants to go out there to Denver and bring in McGovern. I think that that'd be a lovely move for them to make in free agency. Having just freed up $13 million, not even going to take all 13 to get the guy in the door. That being said, as I run through some of these, you know, again, mock scenarios, I won't bore you with the details other than to say the Giants traded down with Jacksonville, got the ninth and 20th pick, and then also made a secondary move in the second round to, to go from four down to 12 and then a pick in the third round from the Indianapolis Colts. Point being, though, I go ahead and I address a lot of needs here. I get the offensive tackle, uh, Mecky Becton there in the first round. We add Chase Claypool in the second, uh, Strobridge there in the third. But as we work our way through, you know what I didn't do, Andy? I didn't take a center until I got all the way down to my fifth round pick, top of the fifth round, in Daryl Williams out of Mississippi. Now, he's a center guard. He was at guard, moved over to center. And he went over there for the Bulldogs just this past season alone. And they feel like they'd be a nice fit for him at the NFL level. I start to look into him, and basically they say he's a tough competitor, well-rounded blocker, effective in the ground game, and dependable in pass coverage. So, you know, I know that we've gone back and forth about what's the right time to take him. The more that I looked at a player like this, who looks like, and by the way, they say, illustrates that he can become a starter at the NFL level, Then I started to think, you know what, anytime that I was talking about third rounds and going to center, obviously that's that's going to be way too high. Even the fourth round may be too early to do it. So I thought I would leave us on a high note here, Andy, where you get to feel, oh, a sigh of relief. If the Giants don't sign McGovern, which I'm still open to, that Adam has decided going down to the fifth round is perfectly acceptable to get ourselves a need fulfilled at the center position. Jump in the pool, Adam. The water is warm over here. It is nice and warm. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm glad that you, you're, you're kind of thinking about it. And that's one of the things that I was doing too, is you can get a, a potential starting center in the late round picks because of, of the value that they place on position and the skill players early in the draft. Edge rushers, quarterbacks, cornerbacks are, are all going to go. And, and what's funny is they're going to go uh, – so, you know, relative to their position or relative to where you think they are overall, they're going to go much faster than, than someone like a, a, you know, a center position that you were talking about before. I'd love drafting a center in, in the fifth. I, I would be fine in the fourth too. I saw some recent mock drafts saying Cesar Ruiz is now even a, a fringe first round pick at center, which would make my head explode if that ended up happening for the Giants. But I'm glad that you're coming around to it. And you know what? If the Giants end up taking a, a center in the, in the fifth round, you and I will both be happy. You better believe it, man. Fill a need. Don't do it too high. And by the way, if another team wants to take Ruiz at the back end of the first round and maybe push one of these wide receivers out into the second round, we're not going to scoff at it. We'll send you flowers afterwards. The bottom line is this was a, a great first preview into the NFL Combine. Most players just confirmed what we thought about them. But when it comes to, uh, of course, guys that we were looking at, which by the way, Andy, Go ahead and reach that hand up over your back 
and give yourself a nice firm pat because we both were looking at players that improved their stock at the combine and now are looking to be even higher draft picks when it comes to the NFL draft later on. So we, we're, we're picking the right ones, friends. The problem is they're getting away from us when it comes to where we're going to be selecting. We'll be coming back in, of course, next week. I think we'll line up our next mock draft after we get the combine over with, so we'll know where some of these guys have now moved around the board and how we're going to address our needs. Beyond that, follow us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at One Giant Podcast. Head over to iTunes, download, rate, review, and subscribe. It's the lifeblood of any good podcast. We appreciate your support as we continue to pump up our content over the offseason. And as always, Andy, let's go Big Blue. Bang! Bang!